is an audio platform created to educate, inform, and empower women to take charge of their physical and mental health. Join Shalana Battle and her occasional guests as they discuss many issues and health topics that concern women. While many health tips and advice will be discussed on this platform by licensed professionals, it should not take the place of seeking help from your own physician or therapist. If you feel that you need professional advice or medical assistance, do not hesitate to contact your provider. Now, let's get to the show. Hey there, and happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of The Eavesdrop. I am your host, Dr. Shalana Battle. I am so glad it is Friday, y'all. (laughs) T-G-I-F. And it was a short week, and I am so grateful for that as well. And we owe this short week to a man who wore his last name well. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He was definitely a king. And I just want to recognize him today for standing in the gap for human rights and fighting against social injustice. He was one of the most influential people of the American Civil Rights Movement. And a lot of the rights that we have today are a product of the strong foundation that he set those many years ago. So I want to applaud Dr. Martin Luther King and say thank you for your sacrifice. How about that? So I hope you enjoyed last week's episode about aesthetics. It was a very informative discussion that we had with Lyoni Charles, who is the owner of Lovely for Life Med Spa. And if you haven't listened to that episode, do yourself a favor and go back and listen to it, sis. We talked about everything from lip fillers to micro peeling and micro needling and so many different things that are available for women and so you definitely want to go back and listen to that episode because you're going to learn something new I know I sure did (laughs) but in this week's episode we will be switching gears a little bit and exploring human trafficking and I chose this topic for this month because it is an important topic that does not get enough attention. January was declared by our former president, but my forever president, Barack Obama, as Trafficking Awareness Month. And during this month, we typically bring awareness to the issues surrounding human trafficking. And I've learned that Human trafficking seems to be just the umbrella term that covers so many different types of crimes where traffickers can exploit and profit at the expense of adults. And this is men and women or even children by just um, compelling them to perform labor or engage in commercial sex. And Part of creating the awareness is, first of all, acknowledging that this is a problem that we have. Um, For a while, this was something that wasn't really acknowledged well. And we have to have the discussion about what it is so that when we see it, we can identify it. And we have to understand who is at risk, who it affects, 
we need to understand the signs and symptoms and address myths and misconceptions that are, are out there about it. And today we will be addressing all of these topics because unfortunately, not many people know that issues like this exist or may not be able to recognize it once they see it. And if you do not work in a setting where you are trained to recognize human trafficking or live in an area where it is statistically a big issue, you may not even hear about it. So, I mean, just my personal opinion, I think that schools need to incorporate human trafficking into their curriculums, especially nursing and medical schools, because the hospitals and clinics may be the first line of defense for victims. And if I can recall back in my nursing programs, I don't ever remember being taught about human trafficking. It wasn't until I started working in the clinical setting as a nurse practitioner is when I learned that it hadn't even existed. So um, I do think that in the workplace, in our schools, there has to be more training um, how to identify and, and rescue victims. Now, I was doing my research just preparing for our talk today, and I came across some statistics that just really floored me. I found that there is an estimate of 24.9 million people who are trapped in this form of modern day slavery, because that's what it is, it's modern day slavery. This means that individuals who are victims of human trafficking are part of our community. This means that it might be a classmate, it could be a coworker, it could be a patient, it could be a customer, your next door neighbor, or even a friend or a loved one. So as fellow citizens, we must be aware. And that is why I am happy and willing to use my platform to discuss this issue today. I'm also glad that there is a whole month that has been reserved for it. And I'm grateful to the men and women who have survived human trafficking and who are now the voices for those who are still held captive. So listen, let's get into this conversation. First things first, what is human trafficking? So by definition, according to the United States Department of Homeland Security, human trafficking is the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Traffickers or the perpetrators in these situations might use violence, manipulation, or false promises of well-paying jobs or romantic relationships to lure their victims into trafficking situations. For example, when we think about Super Bowl weekend, it's usually one of the largest events that attract people and people of wealth into certain cities. However, Super Bowl weekend is one of the largest human trafficking events in the world because traffickers typically choose large events where a lot of wealthy people will be flying in, such as sporting events and conferences and meetings, and they seek out young women 
and lure them in with promises of buying them luxury gifts, maybe meeting their favorite ball player or a glamorous new job that seems to be too good to be true. And you know that saying, when something is too good to be true, it usually is. And it definitely takes place in these cases. Now, I recall right here in Miami, and I've told this story before. One day when I was a freshman in college, I was pumping gas. And a very attractive man approached me and started telling me how pretty I was and said that I could do well financially in the modeling industry. And he gave me a business card and I took interest in the idea of being a model and I took the card. So once I got home, I did my research because y'all, I researched everything. (laughs) And I looked at the website that was on the back of the card. And when I typed in the website, there on my computer was pictures of nude women, like naked women. And I remember looking at this website and being so disgusted and thinking that this guy was such a pervert. And, you know, at that time, you know, I was young, I didn't know. But looking back now, not only was he a pervert, but he could have been a trafficker. And at that time, I had no idea that trafficking even existed. So, It is so important that we become knowledgeable and we teach our young people about human trafficking and how to avoid it. So let's discuss some of the industries that we may commonly see human trafficking. And I'm going to put a disclaimer out there that trafficking is not limited to these, but are the most common industries you may come across. Some industries where human trafficking is common is in beauty industries such as nail salons, massage, and spa parlors. Um, A large percentage, like 38% of victims may be seen providing domestic work services such as hospitality services, like in your restaurants and your hotels, agriculture, construction work, and manufacturing. And I can only imagine that during COVID-19, these issues may have worsened in the domestic work settings because the number of employees in certain factories have declined greatly because of the virus. And sadly, Human and sex trafficking is also seen very heavy in pornography as well. And contrary to popular belief, human trafficking can occur anywhere in the world, including right here in the United States. As a matter of fact, the top three states where the most human trafficking cases are reported include California, Texas, and Florida. And the top five cities in the United States for human trafficking reports are Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, and Las Vegas. So another thing I wanted to talk about is who does human trafficking affect? Simply, it can affect anyone. It can happen in any community and victims can be of any age any race, any gender, or nationality. However, traffickers usually prey amongst the most vulnerable populations, such as very young individuals, 
one out of five individuals who are victims are young children and teenagers. Another group would be those who are psychologically or emotionally vulnerable. So those with low self-esteem, victims of abuse, looking for refuge, someone who might be homeless, needing shelter, or those who just need like a sense of belonging. Um, other groups are those who are disenfranchised socially or economically. And this could include children who are in the foster care system, immigrants who are looking for work, or those who lack a safety net, like those without family, friends, or a very solid support group. Now, how can we identify someone who is being trafficked? Um, what are the signs and symptoms? What do we look for? So signs that someone is being trafficked can be difficult to identify. And I say this because they can be signs that can signify other issues that people may experience, such as child abuse or domestic violence. Um, but some of the signs may include, and these are definitely, again, not limited to, children or adults appearing malnourished, appearing injured or having signs of physical abuse, especially multiple bruises and wounds that are in different stages of healing. Um, if they avoid eye contact when socializing or avoid social interaction or law enforcement, if their clothing may be inappropriate for the setting or weather, if they have tattoos or emblems with symbols or slogans on them, um, if they respond in manners that seem rehearsed or script, especially in healthcare or in education, when you ask a student or patient what their name is or why they present to the office today, and it seems like their answers are scripted. Another thing to look out for especially for healthcare providers, is if things in their medical history just don't add up. For example, their injury doesn't match the story or someone who does not have insurance or proper identification and they may lie about their age or say they are visiting or just quote unquote passing through. If the person is accompanied by someone who seems to be speaking for them and not allowing them to answer any of the questions. I once saw this in a healthcare setting before where there was an older man with a younger woman and he did not want to be separated from her. He wanted to be in the room at all times and whenever you directed a question to her, he immediately answered. So those are things to kind of look out for, especially if you work in healthcare. A person's body language may also be a tip-off. For instance, if they're accompanied with someone and they keep looking at them prior to answering questions for their approval, or if they seem nervous or anxious. Now, there are many myths and misconceptions about trafficking, and I think that it's very important to identify them and bring clarity. And so I'm going to go through some of the myths and facts. So a common myth that is out there is that human trafficking does not occur in the United States. It only happens in other countries. This is definitely a myth. The fact is human trafficking can exist in every country, including the United States. 
It exists nationwide in cities, suburbs, rural towns, and possibly in your own community. So it can be anywhere. Another myth that is very common is that human trafficking victims are only foreign born individuals who are poor. And the fact is victims can be of any age, race, gender or nationality and socioeconomic status. I've heard of some stories where victims come from very well off families or backgrounds. The next myth is the only type of human trafficking is sex trafficking. So when we think about human trafficking a lot, I think sex trafficking comes to mind first. But the truth is is that sex trafficking does exist, but it is not the only type of human trafficking. Forced labor is another type of human trafficking. And forced labor can involve both legitimate and illegitimate labor industries, including sweatshops, massage parlors, agriculture, restaurants, hotels, and domestic services. Another myth that is very common is human trafficking only happens to women and young girls. Oftentimes, this is seen as an issue that only affects women. But the fact is... It can also affect men. Um, One study estimated that as many as half of sex trafficking victims and survivors are male. And this percentage might be even higher because male victims are far less unlikely to be identified. In addition, LGBTQ boys and young men are seen as particularly vulnerable to trafficking as well. Another myth is human trafficking involves moving, traveling, or transporting a person across state or national borders. The fact is human trafficking is often confused with human smuggling. Human smuggling involves illegal border crossing. Um, It is important to note that the crime of human trafficking does not require any movement whatsoever. Survivors can be recruited and victimized in their own hometowns or even in their homes, even in their own homes. Another myth is that people being trafficked are physically unable to leave their situations. They're locked in. They're often held against their will. While this is often the case, people in trafficking situations stay for reasons that are more complicated. Some lack the basic necessities to physically get out of their situation. Some may not have transportation or they may not have a safe place to live. They may not have money or jobs. So they are afraid to branch out and run away from their situation. So some are afraid for their safety and some may be so manipulated or brainwashed that they do not identify at that point as being under the control of another person. So there are so many other reasons than just being held against their will as to why people are not able to leave their situation. The last myth I wanted to go over was if the person, and this is a common misconception, I think, too. If the person being trafficked consents to being trafficked, 
or if they are being paid, this is not considered trafficking. And the fact to that myth is that the initial consent to commercial sex or a labor setting prior to acts of force, fraud, or coercion is not relevant to the crime, nor is payment. So it does not matter that the person consented to providing the services, but if there is force behind their services, if it's fraudulent, if they were coerced into the situation, it is still considered a crime, no matter if they're being paid or not. Lastly, how do we approach a situation if we believe someone is a victim? Listen, for one, never approach a trafficker. Always be safe about providing help to the one who may be the victim. Discreetly provide information if you can. For example, if you are a healthcare provider, you may want to place information for the human trafficking hotline in your waiting rooms, your restrooms, and exam rooms. If you work in a school setting, you may place information in your restrooms or in the classroom. Information can also be distributed in the workplace, like in the restrooms or in break rooms. Um, You may also call the National Human Trafficking Hotline toll-free at 1-888-373-7888. There are anti-trafficking hotline advocates available 24-7 to take reports of potential human trafficking. And I will definitely post this in the show notes so that way you can have the number. And you may also share this episode of The Eavesdrop with those you know to create even more awareness. So before we leave, I wanted to play a short clip of a woman's testimony of how she was a victim of trafficking. Her name is Rebecca Bender, and she is the author of In Pursuit of Love, which is her personal story of how she escaped trafficking and then became an advocate for others by assisting and rescuing many other women who were in her same situation. She is now a leader. She is an advocate, and she trains individuals and organizations how to identify and fight human trafficking. Um, She is the host of Trafficking Truth, a myth buster campaign. So this is her podcast and I will definitely put her website and her podcast link in the show notes. So if you are interested, you can definitely um, look her up and listen to her podcast or read about her services. Now, here is her story. I was born and raised in a small town in Southern Oregon. And I was a good kid in school. I grew up in a normal middle-class family. Um, I got great grades. I was really active in sports and I even graduated a year early. I was accepted into Oregon State University and I had my dorm room already assigned and I was really excited to move up to Corvallis. But that summer I got pregnant by my boyfriend and I had to make a real tough decision whether I was going to keep my baby and unenroll from university or get an abortion and keep it all a secret. That was a really tough summer for me. After I had the baby, I had some friends that had gone up to U of O to go to college and they had an extra room in one of their apartments. It was at that time that I met a boy or a guy who pretended um, 
to take interest in me. I really thought he liked me and we got along really well. He was really funny and charming and he had a nice car and he, he always picked up the tab, he had nice clothes. And he told me he was a record producer, that he had a band um, up in Portland and that's why he frequently went out of town. There's a saying that says, when you take a child by the hand, you take the mother by the heart. And I really think that's what happened for me because I had this new little girl and this man who showed this desperate attention towards her, like he wanted to really help make this family that I really wanted for my daughter. And he invited me to move in with him after about six months of dating. And I was really excited when I brought him down to Southern Oregon to meet my family and everything seemed fine until we arrived in Las Vegas. He said we were moving there because that was the entertainment capital of the world and being a record producer and having um, a band that that's where they were gonna get the most gigs and the most jobs and that's where his job was leading him. So I desperately uh, wanted to go with him, to be with him and, and to start this family that, that he promised me. He pulled up to an escort service and he said, this is how it works in Vegas. I've spent a lot of money to get you here. I put first and last on an apartment. I filled your fridge up with food and you're gonna need to get, earn that money back. And I felt, I felt trapped. I felt like, um, how am I gonna get out of this? And you didn't know if you were gonna live or die. You didn't know what he was gonna do or what he was capable of. And so it's, it was really scary. I can remember just running through the casino thinking, like, these people don't even have a clue what's going on. They're just, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching, Las Vegas, yay! And they're doing all this stuff, and I'm, I'm running for my life. I'm running from a man that has forced me into doing things that I didn't want to do. When you have a, a trafficker that's waiting at home with your child and says, if you don't bring home $1,500, you're gonna find your daughter out on the corner. I think I was probably more frightened to go home than I was to be in the room. Because if you got robbed, it was your fault for being stupid. Um, if you got raped, it was your fault for not watching your back. Anything that happened to you was typically your fault and you incurred more punishment um, for allowing those things to happen to you. So it made you always walk in fear of your trafficker. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Eavesdrop. I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and that you learned something new. While listening to Rebecca's story, I realized that there was one last thing that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the signs and what to look out for. And this sign I feel is very important when we think about warning signs and how it will look if the victim is a loved one. So one common sign is that someone you love, it could be a family member or a close friend, may all of a sudden start receiving expensive gifts. They may report that they are now in a new relationship and they are going to have to move away because they have a new job 
or an opportunity that is exciting and they just want to pursue it so they have to leave um this is a really big red flag and should be further investigated so if you or someone you know is a victim of trafficking please contact your local law enforcement or you can call the hotline again at 1-888-373-7888 and to learn more about Rebecca Bender and her story you may visit her website at www.rebeccabender.com. For questions about today's topic, you may visit the eavesdroppodcast.com. Be sure to join the eavesdrop community by subscribing to the podcast and following the podcast on Instagram at the real eavesdrop underscore podcast. Listen, remember to share the show with others and join us for all new episodes every Friday. Well, until the next time, be well, be whole, and be blessed. Bye.